Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of April 2011. Newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are there for free download. There's hundreds to choose from and hopefully you'll understand that there's a big, big system above, way above politics uh, that wor- runs this world system that interacts with other uh, major uh, parts of the whole system, the intricate parts, and literally your whole life is managed by them in one way or another, right down to the social level, that's, that's your hobbies, your, your, the cultural changes, uh, the shifts that are planned for future cultural changes, they've all been done long ago, in fact, and you're living through a kind of a script as the big guys play with the doll's house they call the world and dress you up the, the way they want you to, move you over from room to room, which is country to country or area to area. And literally, that's how the world is really run, run by what they call experts, you see, because we're not in a democratic system at all. In fact, we haven't ever really been in one at all. We were given that, that excuse to make us think that we, we had rights and we had um, freedoms and so on. But we've seen how quickly they can change all of that. But still keep up the pretense after 9-11, when really the whole world went under a form of martial law, again, all coordinated by every single country on board with the same agenda at the exact same time to, to make sure that no one has a right to privacy or to even disappear. That's one of their main things that they talk about, the right to disappear. You don't have that anymore. So help yourself to the audios, and remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so uh, you can buy the books and discs I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematics.com. And you'll find out how to do it if you go into the site. From the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check to order or an international postal money order from the post office. You can use PayPal to order, use the button, the donation button, and follow it with an email, name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you across the rest of the world. You've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and you've got PayPal again. And remember, straight donations as well would certainly be awfully uh, well accepted because it's this is not what you think. It's not an hour per day here uh, doing this broadcast. It takes an awful lot. Uh, even just answering emails, important ones too, takes a good part of your day. There's so many people out there uh, losing their jobs, uh, people you get acquainted to even by email over the years, and um, there's a lot of hardship across the Canada, the U.S., and uh, Britain, and Australia too, uh, and even in New Zealand it's starting to hit there too. So I deal with an awful lot of people, and it's more like a social work department sometimes because yeah, people in distress have to talk to someone, and that's what you end up doing. It isn't just a talk on what's happening in the world. It's a matter of forming the bonds that you need to survive. You don't really realize you need to survive as a species. If you want to survive as a, an individual nowadays, you almost have to become a hermit, uh, change identity or lose all identity and go to a country that's not up to this so-called, so-called first world standard. First world now means total surveillance. That's really what it means. It doesn't mean that you're wealthy or you have a good standard of living. It means you're under total surveillance because every 
aspect of your life is being monitored and updated constantly by all the gadgets and gizmos which you buy, thinking they're yours, of course, and it's so much fun, isn't it? And then, of course, you have all the, uh, the extra intrusion from cameras being shoved up everywhere that do facial recognition and so on. You're living in a world police state. And if people cannot get that now, they never, ever will. I remember years ago, Bill Cooper and others said that some people will love this world socialism, and these are the happy slaves, and that's what they are. They're perfectly indoctrinated. They're quite content with the way things are, and they'll continue that way as long as they have lots of entertainment, cheap entertainment, some cash to rattle in their pockets, and, and the ability to party at weekends. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Many years ago I mentioned that this, this particular generation of slaves would be the best educated uh, generation that's ever been. And by that I meant the best educated in what's happening across the world, and to them in particular, and they wouldn't mind. And it's true. They've never had so much information of of what's coming up by the big societies, the big agencies that run the world, these private corporations and so on that work with governments and actually tell governments what to do. And they're the best educated. They know what's coming down. They know there's massive inflation coming. Uh, they know all this. With, with, but they also live in a in an almost semi-fictional state like a child does. And by the way, this is all from neuroscience as well. They know this about humanity too. Children live in a semi-hypnotic state all the time, young children. They're in and out of daydreams. They're back into reality. You'll, you'll hear parents saying, do you hear me? Are you, are you listening? No, yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're going in and out of their little fantasy world. And when you promote that also and augment it with lots and lots of, of uh, entertainment, where they've seen everything, they've seen war, wars galore, they've seen more bullets fired than World War II in a single movie, and they've watched hundreds and hundreds of these movies with slaughter and guts and all the rest of it, then nothing really affects them anymore. But they're still in that world of the Superman, you know, because that's what you're given when you're a child, if they want you to be, grow up to be a, a silly warrior that might last two years before you're killed. And that's what they've been given for the last 20-odd years. But they're the best educated as far as what's coming down the pike, and they don't really mind they don't really mind because, again, being in that semi-hypnotic state is, is partially unreal. In fact, everything is partially unreal to them. Uh, they know it, but it's, it can't happen to me. It's the same thing that happens when you do join the military. Everyone else dies. All the bad guys in the movies die, but the good guys don't die. And the bad guys can never shoot straight for some strange reason. And so you'll come out and you'll be a hero and you'll get little stars on you and you'll be awfully proud and all that kind of stuff. But that's how they, they live their, their actual lives too. They can't imagine an end to anything. Very, very similar to Rome going down at the end when the barbarians literally were at the gates and they were still partying and big balls inside the middle of Rome. They could not believe it was happening. They literally thought they were, that the guards were joking. But that's how society happens to be. These, these things have happened in the past are of vital importance to those that run the world. They never throw out uh, information to do with controlling societies in any era. In fact, they collect the data, the data like you wouldn't believe. That's why 
big professionals and professors are always on board with them in their big agencies like the Council on Foreign Relations, and like Professor Carl Quigley, they come in and they can actually give you scenarios from the past that could be applicable to today. And this is how things are managed at that time. And this is how society reacts to it. And this is what we do then, etc., etc. This happens all the time. Knowledge is never discarded if you want to control people and if you want to use them for your own purposes. And knowledge is never discarded when you want to give it new indoctrinations. There's very little really new. Everything's been done before in one way or another. But as Plato said, it's, it's all a formula. And if you understand the formula for change and how the public will react to that change or go along with that change, you must see how it was introduced in the past for big changes and how it was then promoted step by step until the changes had occurred. This is still applicable to today. But uh, I've often mentioned, too, that what is the news? The news is owned by the ones who rule the world. What they tell you is what they want you to chatter about. If they didn't want you to chatter about it, you wouldn't hear about it. It wouldn't be out there. So basically, even the things that you'll go, ooh, and ah on, or my God, look what they're doing to us now, don't really matter, because it's all been authorized for you to chat about. And that's all you do is chat, or Twitter, like little birdies and trees. Birds don't do much except go around and fly and look nice and all the rest of it, and eat things, and, and Twitter to each other. And it's awfully pleasant, but they don't really cause big changes in the world. So even the terms they give you to use are actually insulting to you, whether you know it or not. It's astonishing how the big boys love to mock the general public. Astonishing. And yesterday, too, I mentioned how the big two main news routers, really. They're, they're routers. That's a direction, like a canal. I love the words canal, too. And uh, it comes through from Reuters, which is awfully close to routers. And Reuters was set up by in the 1800s by the Rothschilds. And then there was the A&P, um, or the AP, and that was then bought over by Reuters as well. So all the stuff in mainstream is funneled through uh, the, the same organization, is owned by the same organization. And that is why, of course, the big push is on now to get everybody ID'd and off the Internet with alternate sites. And that's why it's, it's full of uh, mainstream reporting now. That's all we see. Mainstream reporting. And, and again, it's meant to titillate you, grab your attention, get you to complain, get you to complain amongst each other. It doesn't do much if you just complain to each other. And nothing happens from the basic complaints. So we're given the information at the bottom level to talk about. And that's what uh, certain other good authors in the past have mentioned, that you have a bottom level of news. That's the mainstream. And then you have the second level where people know it's all wrong, they have memories of things happening at that time, they add to the mainstream, but they're still taking their, their base from the mainstream. So that if the premise is false to begin with or, or, or slighted or whatever, then anything that you build on is also false, you see. You can't build anything on, on a, a weak foundation. That's just fiction you're chatting to each other about. And then there's a third level where you have, you have the few people who do real investigative reporting and actually go to characters in history while they live and get the statements from them of how they saw their parts in making history at that time. And that, that's really shunned by mainstream. It's called conspiracy, of course. 
uh, regardless if you're actually talking to the real honchos involved at certain times in recent history. It still hasn't been authorized, and it could be volatile, in fact, because we're always meant to look in the past in the way that it has been authorized. That's why an author is called an author. He's authorized by those who own the media. And that's why you have authorized history. But what we do know is, is what gets put out every day, and I've said it for years, that America is definitely the big military and financial machine that's been used for Oh, since World War I to the present, to be the world's so-called policemen. And by that, too, it's a misnomer because they're not policemen at all. They're a warrior class that's sent across the world to plunder and to secure the plunder for their masters. And they don't even know it. How perfect can it be? They don't care. They don't care who's going to profit from this war, what the real reasons of the war happen to be about. Uh, and they're given their initial indoctrination, and that's good enough for them. They personally get nothing out of it except the ability to run around like a guy from a movie with a big gun and shoot folk, you know, in, in a free kill zone. So uh, th- that's really what the modern military is all about. It's always been that way, too. Karl Marx did tell a lot of truth. He just said every war has been a war of economics and plunder. That's what it's, it's all about. The great Queen Elizabeth I, if you go into the history, uh, was, was set up by her court uh, Walter Raleigh and all these guys and Francis Drake, these guys were all pirates they flew the skull and bones, just like the Knights Templars that they were descended from and they plundered all the Spanish galleons and took the gold and brought it home to old good Queen Bess and got a good cut for doing so and lots of knighthoods and stuff, nothing much has changed by the way because if you want a knighthood today, in fact most of the lords in the house of lords who've been up from the knighthoods to a higher level all started as uh, um, merchants in the 1800s. And then, because of their gifts towards political factions, their names put forward for a knighthood. And then eventually, as they start loaning to governments and so on, they become lords. That's how, how most of them in the present House of Lords happen to be there. Same with the Senate in the U.S. or the Senate anywhere else, for that matter. That's how they work. Interesting, too, the word Senate comes from an old Egyptian word, uh, which meant chess, like the chessboard. Obviously, it's quite interesting when you go into it. It was the precursor of chess, actually. And um, uh, it's interesting, too, that a lot of these Senate hearings that they have, especially when they bring in foreign members from other countries, uh, they stand on basically a checkerboard floor. But uh, that's just coincidence, of course. But anyway, you have all this amazing history around you, and you get this information thrown at you daily, and you're supposed to be get hyped up about it. But uh, what's the point in getting hyped up about something? You can't think logically if you're being hyped up. You've got to keep a cool mind so that you can help plan at least. And I think George Orwell probably was closer to the truth than anybody else when he said uh, when in, in his 1984 uh, novel, which is anything, it's really a prophecy in fact, when he was talking to O'Brien and Winston was getting uh, tortured and uh, O'Brien said, well, you're no problem. Uh, what makes you think that the, the proles, the ordinary folk, would be a problem? And then, he, then O'Brien sat back again and he thought, well, maybe in a thousand years. In other words, it, it could take a thousand years because of the totalitarian structure of the ruling power. It could take a thousand years for people to be so educated enough to not only rebel, but be able to rebel and be successful at the same time. 
but it would also mean, too, you'd have to have an, a clear idea of where you were going. And today, under the, the patriot community, there's no clear idea. It's very vague again, like a movie. It's getting back into the past sometimes. That's a common mistake people make. That's not... Um, uh, that, that's not even a, a revolution it's, as a kind of rebellion. You, you rebel against something that's changing. Well, the times for rebelling even have passed because if you have a standing army, as the founding fathers of the U.S. said, it can be the greatest threat of, of all outside of banking because all standing armies are turned on their own people, and that's why they had debates of should the United States of America have um, a standing army. So unless you get an army on your side, uh, you, you won't get a fast change. And a slow change takes an awful lot of time to to build up and a lot of cash and a lot of hard workers who are working full-time at it. Just the same as Marxists, uh, the Marxist movement had as well. That's how they were so successful. Big bucks behind them, from the bankers, of course. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and I'll go to, there's a caller hanging on from the UK here, it's David from Wales. Are you there, David? Yeah, hello. Hello. Hi, Dean. Um, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just um, just wanted to tell you that, um, you know, the Libyan um, shenanigan, the whole um, escapade, um, uh, the foreign secretary today was, you know, saying that, um, that you know, he hadn't sent, you know, they weren't going to send any troops and they're not going to send, you know. Yeah. And the next thing you see on, on the next thing you see is um, there's a military, there's a, there's a commando with a gun in a, in a, in the back of a truck. Yeah. You know, sitting with a, um, with one of the so-called rebels. Mm-hmm. And it's just like <laughs> total double speak. You know. It is double speak. You're, you're absolutely right. In fact, it, it just came out too in Britain uh, that uh, Tony Blair, along with the oil companies and and government, uh, sat and discussed uh, what they were going to do with the oil wells a year before they invaded Iraq. So we're lied to all the time. But there's nothing new in this. Uh, you expect lies all the time, for, for, and, and that's what they, that's what the mainstream is really there for. It's the same mainstream. Remember that go in as embedded reporters. And, and give you all the, the propaganda that the government tells them to put out there. You know, it's, the thing is, too, when someone lies to you, why on earth would you ever go back and expect the truth the next time? <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah? I, I just want to ask, like, one last question. Um, if I was, would you say, like, Britain is gone? Basically, it's like, it's just no, yeah. there's no hope, really. Well, it's not, not, I don't know about hope, but I, there's there's no opportunity here really to, yeah. to fix. I don't know whether you can fix the word is fix, but do something to to, to turn up, turn turn around this whole mm-hmm. situation. I don't know. I'm, I, is, it, is it gone? Is it just? Because I mean, I've heard you say that Britain is just gone, and there's just no, you know, yeah. chance it, really it, of. Fix. It is gone. It's gone because it's planned to be gone. And, uh, I mean, they, 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 when you look at the different governments that have come in, they've all signed the same UN treaties. They've all been lending money, your own tax money, out to foreign countries for since uh, World War II uh, under the OECD group. 
Uh, so, I mean, they're spending more money abroad than they have been at home often. The rest of the cash that they take in goes to the big military industrial boys uh, and into the pockets of politicians. Uh, you have the Royal Institute of International Affairs running every uh, prime minister for the, over a hundred years now. Uh, so it doesn't matter what party you vote for, uh, they're a member of the same group for world government and not just any world government. See, this is the whole thing. People think, well, it's, it's, world government might not be bad, we'll all be kind of happy. You know? No, no, no. They've got the whole plan figured out for world government, reducing the population to a, a man, what they call a manageable level. Science should rule and experts should rule and decide all the things that have to be decided upon to get them to that particular little utopia, the claim. And in the meantime, we're, we're all disposable now because we're non-manufacturing nations. And that was also dis- discussed uh, bef- before uh, they signed agreements with the World Trade Organization to put your tax money and to build China up as the, the main producer for the world. Uh, they knew what would happen afterwards, and they knew how they're going to handle it, right down to communitarianism uh, and bringing down the populations in a post-democratic society. So, you, yeah, I mean, the, 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 you understand, you cannot keep the same system uh, that's, that's cutting your throat. You can't keep it. You can't keep voting for the same system. Yeah. Like the, the main so-called alternative parties, they all accept the British monarchy. And, and yeah. that's the mental point. Is that if, you, if you accept the House of Saxon-Coburg, which is mm-hmm. just a bunch of inbred Prussians, um, Germans, yeah. it, 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 if you accept that, that's, you know, you, it, you know it's like... It's like finding a death, you know, a death warrant. You know, you can't keep that this this mon- this, this this monarchy going. It has to go. They have to go, and every postman, even I mean, policeman and, and military guy, anybody who works for the government uh, doesn't swear uh, allegiance to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Britain, or whatever. They sign their allegiance to the Queen. You're absolutely right. That's their oath, and they even show it in Canada here when the politicians come in. Their oath is to the Queen. And you cannot have, how can you have a democracy when you're ruled by a private cabal that literally has your country down as a dominion or a possession of, of hers? I mean, that's crazy. But that's what you got. Yeah, I just want to say one last thing. Um, um, it's, you know, like in the 1990s, I don't know whether you noticed, there was a flood of um, Iraqis and mm-hmm. Somalis that came into the Western countries and then yeah. later on they were. You saw the action actually, you know, the wars go on. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of Iranians suddenly turn up in, in Britain now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last time, last year, you know, that there was protest, the Iranian protests. I was in Heathrow uh, Airport dropping off a, a relative. Yeah. And I was literally in the airport and I could see this Iranian girl. She had a British passport. She mm-hmm. spoke, as you say, perfect Oxford English. Yeah. She, right. this, uh, you wouldn't believe. I thought. I thought. I thought. Alan, when Alan Watt was when you were talking about this, I thought. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether this is true or not. But I literally witnessed this, I, and they're, oh, they're, 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 I'm seeing a lot of these guys turn around, turn up here. And when they turn up, suddenly within a few years, within like a handful of years, it was like within what um, less than seven, eight years, less than a decade. Suddenly, you had the war in Iraq. When I saw the Iraqi refugees and uh, yes. and and. You know, I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. Oh, they brought them in by the thousands and trained them to go back as agitators and back and forth. Yeah. All working for MI6. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the cards. It's definitely on the cards. That's right. But thanks for calling, David. And I'll be back after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And, and this is what's always got me. You know, I, I've lived long enough to watch politicians in different countries uh, get in and out, different parties in and out. And as I say, in a democracy, you don't vote people in. You're really voting the last lot out. Uh, and that's how it goes on time after time. And they, they continue with the previous uh, groups, uh, uh, um, laws that they've passed, uh, treaties with the UN. And so no one turns around and says, okay, that lot's out now. We are different from them. We're scrapping this, this, and this, and helping the public. That never happens. And so you have many clues that there's no difference whatsoever. And Thomas Jefferson said the same thing in the United States. He says, when you see the same, the word was something like themes, I'm kind of paraphrasing, uh, going through from one house to the next house, from one, in other words, one, one group to the next group in, in politics, when you see the same, same theme carried forward, he says that you know you're under tyranny. And we've had plenty of that in our own lifetimes. We can understand it's out there. We see the same globalization. No, no one's asked for it. No one's ever asked your opinion on anything, to be honest with you, if you stop and think about it. And uh, you have this massive push towards not only globalization, but again, a thing called free trade, where, where the cheaper, the countries that have cheap labor can dump everything on you. They talk about this nonsense of balance of payments and balance of trading. What balance of trading when, when, when all the product, the produced goods are coming from, say, China and dumped on you? What you got to give back to them? Except you're just borrowing money and you've got debt. That's it. You can sell their debt to China. That's what the U.S. is doing. And every country is getting to be in the same boat. Now, this is not happening day by day. Oh, dear, this has happened. What do we do now? No, no, no. This was all thought out before they signed the World Trade Organization and set up the system to not only encourage, but almost force your own producers abroad. And you paid for all with your tax money. You paid for the factories to get uprooted and built in China under the WTO agreement. Your tax money funded it all. And left you without work. And you only vote for the same peoples over and over again. Now there's um, Bob from Texas on the line. Are you there, Bob? Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm hanging on here with my fingernails. <laughs> Very good. Hey, you brought some excellent points here. Thanks for taking my call. And, and you know, you talk about not going back to the past. If yep. people would remember, you know, this Tea Party movement, it all sounds good. You know, it's... it's uh, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if the grassroots movement, if it didn't start and it got perverted or if it wasn't perverted from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, you look at it like the uh, – I'm familiar with the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah, that's the first one they had after after the revolution, after after fighting the British for taxes and stamp taxes and so on. They go and put a tax on the booze, and, they, and then they sent the army after them. Yeah, and I mean, it was a nasty revolution. It, it was one that almost toppled the government. Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, there were a, a lot of Scots and Irish were involved in that one. You I'm know, sure. Hey, don't, don't touch my liquor here. That's you know, right. And, and, and it's like, what, if people would look at that, and I, I always wondered about that. I said, mm-hmm. my gosh, uh, immediately after, you know, they, they talk so harshly about taxes, well, then they turn around. Be, because liquor was a, was considered medicinal and it was very, they knew it was in high demand, mm-hmm. they were going to make sure to get their money's worth out of that. Yes, absolutely. 
you know? And then also, uh, uh, you know, as far as the uh, caller before, Dave, he was talking about, uh, um, you know, you know, is it gone? It makes you wonder, was it ever there? Was ever there? How much was myth? In fact, absolutely, you're quite right about that. Um, I, I can even remember the, the, the 70s, and I should call them the, the blast 70s, because so much was happening on a high secretive level, uh, planning and putting in the machinery for this present time we're in now, in fact. But the public work was kept in the dark about that, and they were told to just have a good time and have fun, and money kind of flowed to an extent, even down to the, to the, to the lowest levels. But so much, they were actually working so hard on setting up the infrastructure to take over from, from that system at that particular time. So we were kept entertained, just as we are today, and uh, they, of course it, it altered the culture beyond recognition almost from the 60s, and they did, they'd actually accomplished most of the Communist Manifesto, but we don't even realize it's actually accomplished now, and it's still called democracy. But um, and, and, you know, we're doing business with, with China, who is... Yeah. Supposed to be a, it's a communist country. Supposed to be the adversary, and we're here. We're building their infrastructure. That uh, if, if common Joe citizen would go out and do uh, business with China, then they would be thrown in jail for uh, you know treason or or whatever. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, and then you, you look at democracy. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I kind of came up with this. I thought, well, if you if, you know if you have an apple, you know, choice between an apple and an apple for dinner. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to get? Yes. So, anyway, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you. And thanks for calling. Bye now. But, but it's so true. It's so true that uh, uh, if you look at the history, you've got to understand and, and really look at the history of the systems that have been tried. Now, America was called the first great experiment. Uh, the Soviet Union is, is officially called the second great experiment. And uh, in the U.S., you, you had a revolution for something new. Not something that had been done before, but for something new. And supposedly under the, under the pretense or whatever of giving people the rights to run government and the government would be subservient to the people. And of course, you know how long that really lasted. It wasn't very long at all. But it, it was a, a new system. And so you look at ones who have tried to go back to the past. They've never been successful. And the reason they've never been successful is because the governments have already signed treaties, just like today, with foreign powers. Uh, to intervene if you try to pull out, you actually call the rogue state under the United Nations agreements, and they come in with the United Nations forces against you, or they'll, they'll blockade the food coming in, or whatever else it is, uh, or trade. So uh, this has happened in the past, so you can't go back to some past, uh, you have to go to something new again, or even take something from the past uh, rip out all the stuff that's been added to it with, with the crooked politicians over many years, and start again from the basics, uh, where the power is in the hands of the people. But even then, as I say, you've got the UN to contend with, and you will be called a rogue nation. And they will come in with the rest of the world's armies to to do you in, and do the same thing with cutting off medical aid, uh, food, you name it, and trade, just like they've done with these countries uh, that they're after right now. So, uh, But you cannot vote the same system in again with the same crooked money system, it isn't with the UK and the British Empire that's now merged with the, with the, the American Empire. The Queen's still the boss, and, you, and the cabal of bankers around her who lend to nations 
are, are, are really running all the rest of the world right now as we speak. Why would you vote, want to vote the same system? And, and there's not one single CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, appointed a future prime minister that's ever going to stop that system or say we've had enough I'm, I'm on, on the side of the public. It's never going to happen. If they, they're all members of the CFR. They've sworn allegiance already. And you should be asking each person to what organizations they belong to, what have they given oaths to. You've got to ask that in advance as well. And if you can't get a straight answer, then you can pretty well know darn well who, they, who they've given the oaths to already. You cannot have it. But um, that's where we are. So eventually, if anything comes out, it'll be down the road in the future, whatever, whatever the future is, uh, and we know it's going to be a pretty bad one, unless even that's impossible. And this is what they mean by when Bertrand Russell said, it'll be impossible for the people to rebel down the road as as it is for sheep to complain about the price of mutton. He was talking about the scientific indoctrination that everyone's had. He was also talking about the fact that that, um, they're going to use drugs on you. And they have uh, departments in every university working on medicating the populations. It's, you can go into their sites and look at the papers. Look at Oxford, for instance. It's fantastic on it, the amount of stuff they put out, uh, for, for social uh, behavioral, behavioral improvement. And, uh, and they're also going to use more and more harp technologies. That's a neuroscience. The, um, the, the, the Royal Society just put out a big paper on the impact of neuroscience and how it's going to affect society right down to the legal levels where they'll pre-screen you. They, they can actually do it remotely by scanning bravely with patterns. And this is going to become a science, supposedly. So if you fall short with a little graph and that, that line should be up there and it's down there, they're going to have you marked and you go in for treatment. I'm not kidding. This has already been talked and discussed with big organizations with the Royal Society right now as we speak. So it would be impossible for you to have a unique thought down the road in the future. That's what I'm trying to say, unless you do something now. And it's time people to stop voting altogether. Seriously. Um, now there's Tom from Massachusetts on the line. Are you there, Tom? How are you doing, Alan? Not bad. I had a question. Uh, considering all the hoopla that uh, seems to be generated uh, as we approach uh, 2012, yep. uh, do you think that there'll be some type of... Uh, uh, red flag or some type of uh, false flag operation, maybe like a Project Blue Beam or something that may be put into effect at that time to uh, further shock and control the masses and lead them further into the New World Order? Or uh, what, what would be your thoughts on that? I think everything could be tried. They have a whole bag of tricks, of course, that they've tested them out before. Uh, you, you probably know that the, the big test they did back in the 1930s in the late 30s, with H.G. With, uh, Wells's War of the Worlds, uh, with, with Princeton University, the psychological department, working with Rockefeller Foundation, with the authority of the American government to broadcast that and do uh, uh, massive surveys to see how it affected the public. Could they give them a fake alien invasion? This is on the books, folks, in, in, in the university. You can go and check it for yourself. And they had people fleeing cities and people uh, who were shooting people by mistake, thinking they were aliens. I'm not kidding you that they could drum up a, a fear like that. That was just with radio, remember, and professional actors. Now, today, uh, they're definitely going to get, go ahead to get what they want. We're in a state of shock and awe. So we're perfectly set up to believe pretty well anything that comes down the pike, uh, be it real or staged. And... Um, 
and they will use anything. Remember what they say at the top, it's that the end justifies the means. So anything is possible. Uh, people who will blow up towers to get a war going. And we know that Powell and other ones talked about this. We know that the New American Century talked about this in the early 90s. That and their own website, in fact, and I've copied every, all their copies of stuff here. At the time, I kept saved everything. And, and they said at the time, but we need a new Pearl Harbor to kick off this whole war agenda. And bingo, the towers go down. You can't plan things. Like, you, you, couldn't, you can't hope for these kind of things without making it happen, obviously. Well, it certainly uh, softened up the uh, world's population to the possibility yeah. because of all the the, uh, uh, the shock and destruction movies that have come out, uh, particularly Absolutely. in the last five or ten years. The whole the whole world has, has gone into the same emergency mode. Right. And we're all being scanned with computers and X-rayed and all the rest of it. However, um, if, if they're willing to kill thousands of people, that's nothing to them. Their own people. They, well, actually, they don't have their own because they don't belong to you. They might live in your countries, but they don't belong to you, the ones who rule over you. They're international. Right. And uh, if, it, if they could do it, if it takes 20,000 folk to die or, or even half a million, they'll do whatever it takes to get this big agenda through, or they lose everything if they don't. So whatever it takes is what they'll do. I and I do believe, and I've, I've looked through. You should, must go into Chatham House and look at the Council of Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs uh, projects that they've been doing for over 15 years now. A whole think tank working on the coming food crisis and starvation. You got to look into that because they can. Use, they're going to use food as a weapon as well. Definitely inside the United States and Canada. I have no doubt about that. Uh, so you'll have that coming down the pike. Uh, most of the public will behave the way they want them to. They, they turn to the abuser. The abused always turns to the abuser to help them. And they'll tell, ask, ask the government to do something. The same government that this, that's destroyed so many small farms by the thousands to make sure that you're going to have a food crisis, that it's unbelievable. But uh, anything's possible. Or even causing, we know darn well, With I was looking into Stanford University recently, and they've got a whole array, it's called the, 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 the HARP, the, 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 the rural array for HARP technology. Uh, um, they've got a whole array across the world, and i got the map with all the people and, and the installations they have across the world. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing this all the time for weather manipulation. And as we speak, uh, the Royal Society are having a meeting in London about uh, the new geoengineering they're going to come out with shortly, never mind, never mentioning the last, the present geoengineering and what they've been doing for since 1998. So they've got so many high sciences on the go at one time uh, uh, that do work, uh, that literally anything could be done uh, to make incredible things, miraculous things even happen in our environment. Yep. Well, I appreciate your help on that one, and uh, that just means we've got to uh, make sure our seatbelts are on for the ride ahead, I guess. Absolutely, and don't don't be fooled and don't be panicked either. That's the other key to it as well. Right. Well, but thank thanks. you much, Alan. Thanks for calling. Yeah, we must never get panicked because, you know, um, if you listen to a movie, and I, I, I watched um, one of the, the predictive programming movies, and it was The Bourne Conspiracy. It was called The Bourne Conspiracy. It's a trilogy of them, and it's very similar to a BBC series. Uh, it's called The Last Enemy. The Last Enemy is the person who wants privacy, by the way. 
and, and the whole thing's, apart from this silly little pathetic uh, one-paragraph story, it's all chasing and following with the CIA and all their high-tech cameras and listening devices and all their... It's, that's programming you that the big wizard of Oz is omnipotent and you can't do anything without them knowing, and that, that's getting drummed into you with every darn movie that you watch. Uh, they certainly are putting a lot of uh, money into this. It's your tax money. It's pretty well limitless as long as you can keep borrowing more from the big bankers. But um, this is what's the, the kind of world they're setting up for you, and you've been trained now to accept it. Well, personally, uh, coming from Scotland, we've got an allergy to t- tyranny there. We're all, all allergic to tyranny, and so are the Irish too, and other peoples as well. Uh, we've always seemed to be, it must be a genetic thing, I guess. First you start sneezing and then you start, you know, swearing and, and that's how it goes. But, uh, the people now have been so dumbed down and personally I think they've already been medicated already with their water supplies because years ago they talked about doing this in the water supply, uh, not just with fluoride and so on, but by using, um, various other tranquilizers and so on, medications. I think they've actually been doing it. And remember, you don't need a name of a medication. A medication, say like Valium, is made up of certain molecules arranged in a certain fashion. You can create the same effect by simply adding different chemicals to the water, and you've got the darn stuff right there. That's it. So um, this is already happening to the public, I'm sure of it. And then you have Brzezinski, a guy who doesn't talk off the top of his hat in an imagination uh, uh, context. He actually comes out in his own book and says they're going to use uh, very low frequencies, just like the ones at Stanford there. Um, and cover whole continents, and it can actually make people very tranquil. It can actually put them to sleep if they alter their frequency. And then you have shortwave radio, where literally you tune in every night now, and it's been like since 2000 and 2001, every night, 24 hours a day across the band, you'll pick up the harp. They call it the woodpecker effect, which is a misnomer, really. It doesn't really sound like a woodpecker, but it's the loudest frequency there. We're being bathed in this stuff already. High technology, that's what they said, would would basically rein us all in. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix and there's Milan from New York on the line. Are you there, Milan? Yes, hi, good evening, Alan. Uh, I'm very glad that I uh, can talk with you and share a couple of thoughts. Uh, I'm coming originally, I'm in New York two years, and I'm coming originally from Croatia. Yep. It's, uh, it was previous uh, communist country. So uh, there is, in Croatia, I, I, I lived uh, uh, the last part of communism, so... I really understand how that works, and uh, I see here uh, how they're impl- implementing everything is total, very similar to communist system. So yes. it's unbelievable. But but people at the end they don't want to hear it. They they just uh, you can't believe it. They can't believe it because it, they're taught it's, that that's an alien concept and it can't be even when it is here, and they're adapting to it as well. But it is here, absolutely. And I have talked to many people from the communist countries. They're the first ones to notice it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's unbelievable. I'm a driver. And uh, when I came two years ago, uh, I thought different. <laughs> I thought I, I'm going to escape. because. It, it's, but other thing, it's, it's very unbelievable for me it's, as, as a people, as a humankind. It's, it's, uh, 
Uh, Croatia was before communism in ex-Yugoslavia. Then we had war. Everybody won independence. And now they won again join the European Union. So, so that's yes. unbelievable. What's what they call out, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's, um, and I came there and then I said from here, I, I said America changing a lot. I'm driver here. You, you come to airport, it's like a, like a, like a mix of communism and fascism together. I, they they yes. cannot believe me there too. They, they said, uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you live here in the best country, the best city in the world. Well, as long as that's again what Bertrand Russell said, and he helped design this present system a long time before we were even born. In fact, he helped design the present, and he said the same thing uh, that that they'll all be happy because the government will tell them so. They'll tell them you're in the best country in the world, and and they believe what they're told. <laughs> they absolutely believe. They they cannot literally. They cannot. Uh, understand anything, anything else. And I want another some thoughts uh, to share. I'm experienced, even for my family, uh, they were all uh, agricultural. Uh, on the, uh, they live on the land, on the uh, uh, village. Yeah. And I know even now, it's so drastically changed uh, yeah. life there. And new mm-hmm. generations, they don't know anything to do around the land anymore. So That's also part of it, too, because the big, their society, again, in the CFR, said... Uh, through the United Nations Department of Agriculture, uh, that farming was too important to be left to farmers, and the big agri-food businesses in this this communist fascist system that's com- combined together, the big agribusinesses now, these massive corporations have taken over farming, and so they're putting the small farmers out, and they're encouraging the children to go into something where they can't even compete. Everyone's into graphic design and so on now. There's no point in going into it because there's, there's millions of others doing it. Um, they don't know how to feed themselves because you must be interdependent. That means totally dependent on the system for everything you need to survive. That's the system they're bringing into us. Absolutely. You're right on. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's here already. Already here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. some new generations, maybe something. Uh, I don't really. Well, it, it has to get awfully bad. It has to get so bad that they can't even dream anymore before they start to take anything seriously and start asking questions and actually get the will to do something about it. That's the problem. They haven't hit that stage yet. Yep. Yes, yes. But okay. thanks, thanks for calling and take care. And Steve from Connecticut, maybe tomorrow we'll get you. From, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where it's going to snow again tonight, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>